Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our little soiree here. We call the Bill Shank Show. Thank you very much for joining us on this Wednesday. It is 4 o'clock in the state of Georgia. We are talking sports. We'll open up the phone lines in the next segment of our show. Right now, we want to talk about a variety of topics with the doctor, the one and only Brent Rollins, at Brent Rollins, Ph.D. on Twitter. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, doing well. On my way to the University of Buford, otherwise known as Buford High School. Watching <laughs> high school baseball. Oh, wow. How about that? Well, we finally got a Buford player there. Hopefully, that'll break the string of thinking that, that uh, Georgia can't attract a Buford high school, a Buford Wolf, right? I mean, when Rayola flipped, it was definitely it was definitely a thing. It became <laughs> uh, it became uh, you know, the the running joke was kind of uh, put fire a little bit more fire to it. No question, it sure sure did. Hey, um, I want to ask you about a variety of things. Uh, you said you're going to a baseball game. Uh, yes, I, we first scrimmage of the season. My my son's high school baseball team, North County, we play uh, at Buford. How about that? That's awesome. Uh, as I'm sure it's as beautiful in in uh, North Georgia it is here in Macon. Clear skies, about 60. Pretty nice, huh? Yeah. Things awesome. Will be the same. Awesome. Great. Well, that's great, man. The heck, the dogs start I think a week from tomorrow. So uh, for the Georgia baseball team, so that's going to be exciting. Are, are you excited about spring training starting next week with the Bravos? You're a big Braves fan. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, yes, I'm excited, but I, I just re- I'd rather the games get here sooner rather than later. Um, just because, like for me, as much as everybody's hopes and you know the dreams, they want titles and the playoffs and things like that. I just enjoy the fact that they're on my TV every night and it's something to watch. And yeah. even doing other things, I can still watch them. You know, hey, second, third, fifth inning, let's go. I'll sit and watch for a little bit. But it's always there, and it gives like our family loves baseball, so it's a lot of fun to watch. So that's that's really the biggest thing for me is the six months is is always special to me. Well, and you know I, I say this every year, Brent. We 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 it's the same for football, but we always look ahead so much. Well, where the Braves going to win the World Series? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? It's like last year I kept on telling people with a hundred and four win team, man, we had unbelievable entertainment for six months of the year. That you about can't beat. I mean, it was that was great baseball for six months. I think we're going to have the same kind of uh, entertainment this year. Oh, I think so. And like for me personally, like I grew up like three hours from Pittsburgh, three hours from Cleveland, two and a half hours from Cincinnati. So I oh, mean, wow. I didn't have a team. Like so, you know, and, and it wasn't a team that was on every night. The Braves were on every night, even more so uh, growing up than, than those teams. So it's it's nice to have a team that you know is on on TV on there every night and enjoy and watch. No question. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I love it too. I I I can watch games and get just as emotional in freaking April and May as I do in September and October, which probably says a lot about my need for heavier medication. But nonetheless, I. I love baseball, so I I can't wait for it. Hey, uh, dogs going to be in action tonight. Mississippi State on the road, and uh, they need a win, don't they? They're kind of—I don't want to say desperate, but they—they they really need a win tonight, don't they? 
they got to win three out of the next four, like and and preferably four out of four, because the three three of those teams I think are the teams that are behind them in the SEC standings. You can't mm-hmm. lose any of those teams, even if it's on the road. Like I, I just I don't think you can lose those games. You got to win those games to even have a, hope to have a chance uh, at making the tournament. We we knew this was going to be tough, but losing four out of the last six last three games. And and having leads in just about every one of them, that that's been kind of disappointing too, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, I, I somewhat jokingly, but also maybe fifty one percent joking, forty nine percent serious, said something about Mike White needing his version of Todd Munkin. But like, they they get very when they struggle towards the end of the games, they get very static offensively. A lot of one on one. They try to put the, throw the ball in the post to guys who aren't post, like who aren't one on one players, and you know. The, like they can be good as long as all five of their players are threats, mm-hmm. and that takes movement, takes screens, and what happened as what and what has happened at the end of these games is they just they've lost that movement, lost the aggressiveness offensively, and it's killed them. It, it really has. It's been a been a struggle for them for sure. Well, let's hope they can beat uh, Mississippi State. As you said, they've got Mississippi State and Arkansas on the road. Then a week off, and they host Florida next Saturday, and then at Vanderbilt, and then they host Auburn, which is obviously going to be very, very tough. So we'll see how they do uh, tonight against the other Bulldogs. All right, um, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl now? we 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 got to kind of get in Super Bowl mode here with only a couple of days to go with the Chiefs and the 49ers. Does this matchup uh, excite you? How, what, what's your What's your gut telling you about this matchup right now as we we look forward to Sunday? Well, I don't. The, the good part for me is I think it's going to be a really good game. I don't think Kansas City is explosive enough offensively to run away from San Francisco unless Purdy gives them the ball. So, like, because to me, what do you want when you're watching the last game of the year? You just want an actual game that I can watch in the fourth quarter. It's exciting, that sort of thing. And I think I think the game is going to be very similar to the first Super Bowl between the two teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to bet against Mahomes. That's, that's all I know. That's kind of the, the ultimate guarantee in the sport right now, almost. Yeah, no, no, no question. He's he's tough to bet against for sure. I agree. I I said earlier in the show in the first hour. Uh, look, I'm an old time Falcons fan, so I don't like San Francisco, or and I don't like Kyle Shanahan because he's he uh, he helped lose the Super Bowl seven years ago, and we never forget when it comes to sports. There's no forgiveness whatsoever, but. Brock Purdy is an outstanding story. What are your thoughts on him? What's his future? How good can he be? I mean, I think the system obviously helps him a lot. Uh, and the playmakers they have around him. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is he still plays well within that system. There are there are clear like talent limitations from an arm strength standpoint. Like that's, sure. He, he has to throw with anticipation. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if he's Pennington bad in terms of arm strength, but like he still not doesn't have the strongest of arms. But how he handles himself, how he leads, calm under pressure, he's one of the best QBs under pressure in the league. Yeah. Like those things those things last. And those things have staying power. He is. He he is so calm. It's it's incredible. And and I know part of that is probably judging him of well. Someone drafted that late shouldn't be that calm, but talent's talent, right? And he's he's got it. I mean, whatever made teams well, I'm, and I'm sure that's probably part of it is arm strength. Pass on him 
for a guy who's Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, to me, that's almost that's even more impressive than not even being drafted. He was the last player drafted, and now look at him. I mean, that to me, that would just be an unbelievable story if someone who's Mr. Irrelevant won the Super Bowl. He's the Stetson Bender of the NFL. Yeah, that's a, and he's got the same damn number too, doesn't he? Thirteen. That's a great, great point. No question about it. So how how does a team stop Mahomes when he gets in that mode that he can get in? Is there any way? I mean, you think about this. You know, the two they've been. This would be the I think what fourth one, but they've lost to Tampa Bay. And what was the issue there? Was their offensive line was in shambles, and mm-hmm. he was just absolutely under pressure the entirety of that game. So you have to pressure him, pressure him consistently. But his ability to avoid sacks and his just innate ability to feel where space is, mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his, you know, uh, elite just sort of one-of-one one trait. Is, you know, the throwing and the ability to throw off platforms and all that, you know, he, he can throw it, and there's a lot of the guys that can throw it like that. But his ability to just navigate space and always from a decision-making standpoint, and I think that's – he knows his defense is really good. So you've seen him be a little bit more conservative with the football and be much smarter with the football. And he, the consciousness with which he plays, knowing all that, it's unreal to watch. Is that athleticism or athleticism and instincts, or is that just that unique? Because not everybody can have that, what you just described. I, I, I think it's the uniqueness of him. And it's a... It's a skill. The athleticism is there, his ability to move, and the throwing part is obviously, you know, comes with that. Mm-hmm. But just that, I think it's just a feel. And we, I think we always see this with running backs who have just certain, and you can see it, the feel mm-hmm. that they have for space mm-hmm. and body movement around them. Mm-hmm. That stuff, to me, you just can't teach. Right. Right. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Derrick Henry. I mean, when you watch him run, not everybody can do that, right? He just has it. What you need to have as a running back, as an elusive running back, he's got it. Yep, Barry Sanders even. Like, yeah. His ability, you think back to him, and his ability to manipulate space and, and movements of other insane athletes, that's just that's, that's, yeah. that's as good as it gets. Oh, no question. No doubt about it. There's just no no question about it. It's, it's, it's just interesting as far as – those who simply know what to do. And, you know, we all know that Patrick's dad was an athlete, obviously. He was a baseball player, but still, and I hate what he's going through now, obviously. It's a shame. But there's obviously athleticism in the blood that's just there. He's an athlete. He's There's a naturalness to this. But, you know, to have those instincts, and there, there are some that, boy, you wish, um, you know, kind of like your boy Desmond Ritter, you just would plumb – uh, wish you could buy it for him, and sometimes it's there, just sometimes it's not, isn't it? Right, and that's and I think that's to me that's something that you can see. That's something you can see in the scouting process, and something that I think more and more. And by the way, that's what I think. That's the reason, outside of the physical traits, that's the reason the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson fourth. Is he had those sort of skill set and uh, awareness set that while he was inaccurate with some throwing or decision-making part, there was a that innate skill set of avoiding the rush and navigating space that you just can't teach. Interesting. Yeah. And 
But you have to, I mean, at least Mahomes had some more production at Texas Tech than, than Richardson did at Florida, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Way more production than he was. Like, he had to 100% carry that team. Yeah. And he, you know, he did as well as he could. Uh, but, you know, on the bright side, like, somebody like the Falcons' new offensive coordinator was very high on Mahomes coming out of the draft. Well, thank God for that. Hopefully he'll, uh, He'll have some thoughts about who to look at in this in this year's draft. So, and I don't think there's a any question. People are as, with all due respect, Raheem Morris. People are excited about Zach Robinson coming in, and coming from that McVeigh tree. Hard to believe someone that young would have a tree by now, but he does. So, with that in mind, what you just said is we now turn our attention from the Falcons' coaching search to now who the heck they're going to get at quarterback. What does Zach Robinson's background tell you he may be looking at in in the process they're going to go through now to find a quarterback, in your opinion? In terms of skill set, I think you have to be able to move. Like you as, as, as a QB, like the QB has to be able to move in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to be interesting with Cousins, but Cousins has played in that system and has moved well enough. But the other thing is it's decision-making. There's always, obviously all the sort of baseline metrics of arm strength that these guys look at and, and evaluate. But I, I think it's going to be interesting how – because if they attack it through free agency, i.e. if they sign Kirk Cousins, if they you know were like Baker or Mayfield because there's some experience there. But that's what's going to be interesting for me because probably doing a evaluation, combo evaluation of – the veterans that are existing, as well as the draft. And is it is it better to trade up and go get somebody in the draft, or is it better to sign and then draft somebody in the third or fourth round? And Or does Zach Robinson think that there is something with Desmond Ritter and his system that wasn't there with Mike Smith? Mm-hmm. But the agency part of it is the most intriguing for me, because if they go early and you see them you know, go get Cousins early or go get Baker early in free agency, whatever that may be, I don't know that – like I said, I don't know that either of them would be, but if that happens, then they've said, okay, we can't go get the QB we want in the draft. Let's go get this guy, and then we'll draft somebody later. You, you know, Brent, that we're going to hear 10,000 rumors between now and the draft. I mean, we've got two and a half months. Do you think those top three go one, two, three, or, you know, there was a rumor this week Drake May may drop. We, we know that Daniels is – well, he may drop. What's your gut telling you now? Are, are they the top three players in this draft, or could one of them fall? I think they're the top three picks. I don't know that they're the top three players. Right. I'll, I'll say that. But, but I do, you think I the current think three teams that are there are going to take a quarterback? Well, that's the biggest question to me, is I think the three guys are picked. And definitely one and two. It's definitely going to be one and two some in some way. Right. Whether that's – and I think Caleb Williams is definitively number one. Whether it's May going second or Daniels going second, I think it's definitely one, two. The only sort of wrinkle could be New England just because of their generally conservative nature when it comes to QBs. Could they say, all right, we'll take Harrison Jr. and then go draft, you know, Penix and trade back into the first round to get Penix or go draft – somebody later like is that a possibility but I, I do think those guys three those three guys may daniels and williams are going to be 
uh, the first three picks in the draft. Is, I mean, we know what Daniels can do. We saw him at LSU. We saw him at the SEC. Is he one, though, that teams are going to fall in love with when they see him more in the combine and in, in workouts? Oh, and he's, yeah, and he's going to run 4-3-something. Like, 4-3. Like he's going to run an insane 40 time. The athleticism that displays on tape. And, and his growth as a passer is real. Like, he's legit grown as a passer and – now, what's interesting, what will be interesting in how teams evaluate him is how much damage he did outside of the numbers mm-hmm. as a passer compared to the middle of the field because he was really good outside of the numbers. And sometimes teams would rather see you be more middle of the field dominant than, necess- than maybe outside the numbers kind of thing. So if, if you if – let's say all, thing being, all things being equal, and that means – salaries for a free agent like uh, Cousins or, or Baker or the price to trade up, what do you do? If you're the Falcons? Oh, yeah, what would you do if you were in charge of the Falcons? I, I just I don't know that the price to get up to, say, two, and I don't think, I don't think Washington's going to be dealing. I think Washington is taking somebody at two. Right. Uh, so I, I just I, – I would go attack and – See if Cousins comes in that system and wants to be maybe be in that system, and then go draft. Like I think I've mentioned this before, but go draft somebody like Spencer Rattler uh, in the third right. round, like so, that. and maybe so, even Penix or somebody like that falls into your one of your second round picks. Because I, I just I don't know that you're going to be able to pay what you want and the teams deal with what you want. Now I did see a mock uh, Lance Zerline that does for the NFL.com had the Falcons trading up to fifth for May. Like, mm-hmm. if that fall were to happen that day, I mean, great, that'd be great, but, if and you haven't answered the question by a free agency, but I think you'll know what they're going to do in the draft after the free agency period. Oh, no no question. No question about it. Cousins was linked to Atlanta when Belichick was linked to Atlanta, but you think still that Belichick's not coming, that, that this group will look at, at uh, Kirk Cousins very closely then? Yeah, because, I mean, he put the, the Minnesota coaches of that tree, too. Yeah, and it's very. It'd be very similar system. Like they and Robinson, Zach Robinson wasn't there in 2013 with Washington, but McVay was. Right. When Cousins was, was when that whole big staff was there, and they had. And so was Raheem Morris. Right. Exactly. So like, there's there's connections. I guess you could say. Yeah. No, there are there are. I mean, we, as much as we can look at the different types of, of connections of even like Baker, you know, I brought up the Baker situation because of him being in Los Angeles at the end of 2022. Uh, Raheem Morris was in Washington when Kirk Cousins was there. So you can't forget about that. And heck, he may have been even coaching on the offensive side back then. I'm not, I can't remember what he, what he was doing. Well, I, I, I mean, I just think the, the quarterback coach dynamic is so important. I mean, we know no matter who was going to get the Falcons' job, they had they're going to have to pick the right quarterback. But the combination, you know, like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, sure, okay. If John Doe was the coach of the Chiefs, maybe Mahomes would still have been as successful. But you can't tell me the 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 combination of those two, just like Mc, Tom Brady and and Bill Belichick, if it mattered. That that's why this situation and all these scenarios, Brent, are going to be so interesting to see what happens here with the Falcons in the next three months. Well, and I also think you got you have an owner that is not young 
and you know you present a plan to an owner that says, "Hey, we're going to trade up for a rookie versus let's go sign this veteran, and we think we can you know, win the division next year." I tend to think that that owner might have a little bit of influence in that decision. Yeah, no, it might. Well, that's been a problem, but I wouldn't be surprised if if just the knowledge that Terry Fontenot and Raheem Morris have of the the uh, dire consequence of trying to get a winner sooner rather than later could point that direction. I agree. All right, well, have fun at that scrimmage, uh, and uh, it's great that people are out playing baseball. That's that's a great sign. Hopefully great weather will continue. And, uh, hey, we always love talking to you. We appreciate it. We'll check in with you again soon, okay? All right, thanks, Bill. Take it All easy. All right, Brent Rollins, our guest, at Brent Rollins, Ph.D. on Twitter. And, of course, UGASports.com, and he has the podcast on a regular basis on YouTube as well with UGASports.com. Uh, I, I'm going to be almost obsessive about this quarterback search for the Atlanta Falcons. And I said either Monday or Tuesday that you're going to hear me be extremely indecisive when it comes to, well, Bill, what do you want to do? What do you think they should do? What would you do if you were in charge? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, talk show hosts are supposed to have a stance and stick with it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know on February 7th. And I don't think the Falcons do either, so it's not like I'm alone. But when you look at the options of, all right, free agency, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, trading for Justin Fields, or waiting for the draft and hope someone either falls to you or you can trade up to get one of those top three. I don't I don't I don't know right now. I'm not as high on the Kirk Cousins situation as Brent is because I am worried about a quarterback in his mid thirties coming off an Achilles injury. I think that's why I pointed myself toward a, a Baker Mayfield scenario when I brought that up uh, a couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago, I think it was, and said, hey, okay, you're right talking about Kirk Cousins. How about Baker? And, of course, there is a connection. Like I said, Baker was in Los Angeles with the Rams in the latter part of the 2022 season. Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson were obviously on the staff. They know. And, I mean, we'll, we're going to know pretty quick whether they have any interest in Baker or not and whether he was impressed impressive to them when he was with the Rams. But uh, I don't know if I want to pay all that money to either Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's going to be a substantial investment in a quarterback. Are those the two you want to make a substantial investment in? I I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't have an answer. I'm a little skeptical of it, which makes me go down the Justin Fields road would I be okay for them to trade a third round pick for Justin Fields and then hope to get a quarterback in the second round in this draft maybe Uh, you're going to have to make a decision on Justin Fields salary sooner rather than later but maybe and then okay am I going to be enticed enough with Jaden Daniels to say Forget about Cousins, forget about Baker, forget about Justin Fields. Just, by gosh, go get you one of those top three quarterbacks. I don't know. Price to move from eight to three or eight to two or eight to one or eight to five even. It's ridiculous. 
extremely expensive. And the Falcons, I think, need more talent. So I, I, I apologize in advance for being indecisive on this topic that I know we're going to talk about ad nauseum for the next three months. I don't know what to do. I don't know the answer. It's going to be fun talking out, and we got two and a half months to do it, but it's I, I, want to, I want to learn more. I want to see the quarterbacks in the combine. I want to see – I mean, I've seen Daniels. Uh, I've seen all three of them, but I mean, I, I want to see them more in this setting. How are they going to do? What are they going to? What are they going to look like? And I, I want to see that before I think. Well, and and maybe something will have to happen before I know whether I like it or not. But I, I boy, it's a big decision. It's just a huge decision. All right, let's open up the phone lines now. You can talk about that decision about the quarterback situation with the Atlanta Falcons. You could talk about the Hawks. Their trade deadline is approaching uh, 22 and a half hours coming up before the trade deadline tomorrow, should they do anything. You can talk Braves. Should the Braves sign Trevor Bauer like I was speaking of earlier? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any of these topics, 478-646-ESPN. We're back with more sports talk on this Wednesday afternoon in the state of Georgia right after this. Now, back to the Bill Shank Show. On the superstation. She would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone. While the sun is bright or in the darkest night, no one knows. Number one song in 1967 for the Stones, Ruby Tuesday. Later made into a pretty good restaurant with a good salad bar. I don't think the Stones own it, though. 478-646-ESPN. Man, this is a pleasure. We get a phone call from J-Rad. Is it because the Stones are our group of the week and you've seen them in person? What's the occasion? I'm shocked. Well, you know what happened is uh, Chris got me singing Copacabana all day in my head, and I'd be cursing him for that. Him and Jeff Dantzler. But I had, to, I had to get in before uh, pitchers and catchers report, you know. Well, well good, because I know you've got your Waters and Pache baseball cards ready just in case they blossom this year. <laughs> and Putnevich, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Bill, uh, seriously, um, I've been thinking about this thing. If they – if they sign like if they were to get Baker, it's just the money, right? There's no draft picks involved. Right, Baker's just a free agent. True, yes. Okay, so I would think, um, see if you could get him, use the rest of your picks for line of scrimmage, and then take like Rattler in round three. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm interested in in Baker. Uh, you know, I, I, these quarterbacks are just costing so much money. I'd, I'd rather pay Baker 25 or 30 than he's younger. He's 30 compared to 35-year-old Kirk Cousins coming off of a Achilles injury, $40 million. I mean, it's amazing now, J-Rad, what these quarterbacks are, are costing. And 
You know, it's not like, you know, I've compared the situation a little bit when the Falcons signed Chris Chandler. Well, hell, I bet Chris Chandler didn't cost nothing compared to these damn quarterbacks now. So I think that's something you got to take into, into account. I mean, the Falcons are $25 million under the salary cap going into the offseason. They'll probably create more room with some additional moves as they move along. But you got to make sure if you're going to spend that much money on a quarterback, that's the right fit. Well, he's a putt. I don't like the guy, but he could play. Um, what, what's the deal with Heineke? Is he gone, or do we know? He's got another year, but he could be released, and they could save a little bit, so I would imagine he'll be released. Well, you think so in the key Ritter? Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, and like, like Brent said, I mean, you could imagine Zach Robinson coming in. He may come in and say, Desmond Ritter is just a lost cause. Forget about him. Or he may say, well, let's work with him a little bit. I, I would I would think that he would want to work with him a little bit just to see what he's got. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's let go as well. But I think Heineke's definitely gone. There's no question about that. But, you know, if, if they did something like what you're talking about, and I think that would be very possible, then Ritter's going to have to play for a job. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't throw him away just yet. I mean, he right. could be your number two guy, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And let yeah. him and uh, if they draft – I think – I just think Rattler can play, and if they drafted him, let uh, Rattler and Ritter fight it out for number two. Yeah, can see what happens. Yeah, and I I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I I think that is. Here's the thing. Again, my indecisiveness in this issue is going to be irritating to listeners and callers, and I apologize repeatedly for this. Let's say they all of a sudden March 13th or whenever the free agency period starts, all right, Baker Mayfield's coming to Atlanta. I, I, I wouldn't think that was disgusting. I mean, I'm with you. We all know he can be a punk. But he played well last year. You know, now, yeah. D. Orlando pointed out when I brought this up to him on the air, well, yeah, but he didn't get him far in the playoffs. But, you know, you, don't you have to think, Jay Ratta, all right, what is the quarterback who we put in this job going to do with B. John Robinson behind him? with Drake London and with Kyle Pitts. You have to kind of consider that, don't you? Well, there's some good pieces on this team. I mean, the, the team's not just total garbage, but I think I think that'd be a good move. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. That's why I brought it up. I mean, it wasn't very well received on Twitter when I brought up Baker Mayfield, and a lot of Falcons fans were like, hell no. But I think they don't know how well he played last year either, so – I'm curious about it, and look, Tampa Bay may not let him leave, right? I mean, they may say, we, you know, we've found someone who we can build this offense around for a little bit, which I think they didn't really expect that when they signed him, but he had I mean, he threw for 4,000 yards. He had his best season statistically as a pro, so it's, it's worth looking into for sure, I think. Yeah, he's got that swagger, too. Like I said, I don't like the guy, but he's, I mean, he's got that swagger, and Oh, I think he'd be good. Well, how's your mom, Bill? She doing all right? She's she's still in the hospital, but she's she's getting better. So I'm hoping she'll be home soon. I'm 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 hoping she will. But yeah, she's getting a little uh, a little antsy being in the hospital for a couple of days. But I I think she's going to be out soon. All right, hey Jay Rad, we lost you there, but we appreciate. it. Thank you for asking about her. I appreciate it. Okay, talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, take care. Let's go to Eddie in Ackworth next. Hello, Eddie. Wow, I'm following the infamous J-Rad. What a pleasure. How about that? That's impressive. I know. Yeah, well, he's right. He's got to get his last calls in before pitchers and catchers report. <laughs> then he just 
then he just goes to sleep. He's go, he's going over his Don Ross Drew Waters cards right now. I'm sure. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. Oh, good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I did have a comment on Herb Street, but since you're talking Falcons with J. Rad, um, I think the answer, Bill, and it's the cheapest way for Arthur Blank, and he's cheap. Let's be honest; he doesn't like to spend money. If this works, is to get Justin Fields. I think now in the short term, I understand you may have to sign him again, whatever two years or whatever his contract is. I don't know, but that may cost you what a second round draft pick, maybe one. Isn't that what I'm hearing about Justin Fields? No, I mean, I'm always taking the the approach that all right, whatever whatever draft pick you get from Jacksonville for Ridley, offer that if that's the direction you want to go, right? That's an extra pick. So use that extra pick, whether it's a second or third, depending on if they re-sign Ridley or not, if you want to make an offer for, for Fields. I'm not offering number eight for him. That's for damn sure. No, 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 no. No way. That's too expensive. But uh, J-Rad's comment about Baker was interesting, and you said, well, he didn't, he didn't do very well in the playoffs. How do you think Baker would have done if he was on our team this entire year? I think goes, I think with the four thousand yards he had in Tampa, we would have been a hell of a lot better in seven and ten. Yeah, I was going to say overall, Tampa Bay's team sucks compared to our team. We have mm-hmm. a much better roster, mm-hmm. and um, Baker on this team probably gets us ten wins and probably gets us a first round playoff victory on mm-hmm. our team. I Man. think yeah. we're just constructed better. Hey, Bill, one more thing I found very interesting in the in the conference. Um, or the press conference, Raheem Morris, when asked about what he likes about the Falcons, he mentioned two players in the conference. Did you hear this? Mm-hmm. Robinson and London. And Drake. That's yep. right. And then today, he kind of was asked a similar question. I don't know what the interview was. Maybe it was the DJ Shockley interview. But, again, he named about five other players. You know the one player he failed to name both in the press conference and today? Grady mm. Jarrett? Name Kyle. No, Kyle Pitt. Oh really? Wow, really? Didn't even name him. Nope. Did wow. not even name him. Wow. Well, I mean that and you know, considering the fact they're going to go with a with a less of a tight end strategy than Arthur Smith. I mean that when when Kyle Pitts was drafted, obviously, we thought, well, you know, that does kind of make sense because of what Arthur Smith likes to do. Well, that's gone now. Right, and the tight end, you know, can they get by with a Mikel Pruitt or or Johnu Smith compared to a a Kyle Pitts? Well, this offense, they can. They don't have to have someone that's necessarily going to throw for a thousand, or rather, have a thousand receiving yards. So uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be interesting, you know. And and you know, talking about Justin, what if you offered Kyle Pitts for Justin Fields? I mean, that would be a big target for Caleb Williams if they want to go down that road, wouldn't it? Then you could drop Brock at eight, right? Then you have all kinds of fun. Well, I mean, it's 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 a thought. It it's something you could think about for sure. Well, I am sick of Kirk Herb Street today or yesterday, whenever the the thing on Dylan Rayola's father did it in for me. I mean, he comes out before the playoffs and lays out his scenario, and magically the playoff the playoff committee picks the exact same four teams he says, and then he claims, "Oh, I have no influence over college football. This mm-hmm. is just an opinion." Well, let me ask you a question, Kirk Herbstreet. If Todd Blackledge had called a player who was thinking about going to Ohio State and suddenly he switches to Penn State after that conversation, would you be a little pissed at him, Kirk? I think it's ridiculous 
what Kirk Herbstreit's doing. And just to say all this stuff, oh, it's just opinions. I have no influence in doing this stuff. He influenced Dylan Rayola's father, period. He did. And and I agree with you. Can I ask you a question about Kirk Herbstreit? And, and I'm the biggest dog lover that you'll ever find. Why the hell does Kirk Herbstreit's dog get as much attention as Benji? Is he a service dog? Is Kirk Herbstreit got a problem where he needs a service dog? No, I don't think so. But so a, why can't I bring Ricky and Lucy to Sanford Stadium next year since he brought his damn dog to fraternize with Ugga? Well, you're, you're not a big-time uh, NCAA football commentator, Bill. Sorry, you're just not. I mean, I love you, but you can kiss my ass, league. too. Well, <laughs> I mean, but don't you wonder, it's like, well, why, why is he – why is he taking this dog all over the world? For crying out loud, it's like he's a and look, God bless service dogs. And if he's got a problem where he needs a service dog, fine. But it's like he makes a big deal out of his dog on the plane. And it's like, golly, I guess he's not married. Well, I, I just think he's he's kind of laying himself out as a fraud. I don't, I don't like what he's been doing at all. I don't either. And I'm the, with you. The worst the worst thing was the playoff thing. I mean, to say, oh, I, I didn't have anything to do. I have no influence. Bull crap. He has all yeah. the influence in the world. He had influence in 2007 or 8 or whatever year it was, too, when Georgia got left out. You know he did. Absolutely he did. Absolutely. No question. All right, Eddie, thank you. Thank you, Bill. All right, no big surprise that this news coming down here. Guess who's joined ESPN as an analyst on College Game Day? Nick. Saban. Big shocker. Let me sit down. All right. We've got three lines open. The killer is on hold. We'll get to him, and we'd love to talk to you as well. 478-646-3776. Back with more sports talk right after this. Now, back to the Bill Shank Show on the Superstation. Now, you know this one. From Talk woman from 1969 reached number one on the Hot 100, number four for the year. And boy, there was some good stuff being produced in 1969. Also, a country version called Country Honk that was released later that year. Phil from Knoxville on Twitter. Hey, Bill, hope your mom is doing well. Thank you, Phil. One name to keep in mind also at the Falcons quarterback situation is Kyler Murray. I've seen some reports that Arizona may be open to one of the quarterbacks in the draft. Last year they teased a trade. You're right. They did last year kind of tease about that a little bit, uh, although I think Murray signed a humongous contract. I mean, that's the thing. We've seen the Falcons get into, quarter, into salary cap hell because of the contract they gave Matt Ryan. And, of course, there was no question he deserved a 
contract of that nature because he was a franchise quarterback. We never had to worry about quarterback with Matt Ryan. But So how much would Kyler Murray cost? Again, the cost of Kyler Murray, the cost of Baker Mayfield, the cost of Kirk Cousins, the cost of trading for Justin Fields, the cost of trading up for one of the top three quarterbacks. There's just a lot of things to kind of consider uh, and that's why this is not going to be an easy decision for them or for us, for that matter. Ken and Macon. Hey, Killer. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. Uh, well, you're talking about all these draft things. You always know what I want, defense and offensive line. And then I don't – I mean, I would I would probably – I would want – I want to make a trade if I could and trade – and trade that other uh, tight end and get Brock Byers and have Justin Fields on the team. Well, and maybe that's something to look at. I mean, there, I think there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to fall in love with Brock Byers. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, Killer. I don't think that he'll be there at eight. Cause, and I really think the Chargers at five – is the team to watch for Brock because I I think Jim Harbaugh would look at Brock Bowers and say, man, for that kid to be a major target for Justin Herbert, I'd be really, really tempting if I'm Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, I I think that's something to watch there. But, you know, Fields is is going to be interesting. It's – he was better last year. He still needs to get more better, to use that old phrase. Maybe Robinson looks at him and says, absolutely, I want him. I'm going to make him a star. I mean, because basically that's what we're talking about. Somebody that Zach Robinson looks at and say, whether it's Justin Fields or one of the draft picks, I'm going to make him a star. If I'm Zach Robinson, which, you know, these coaches, they all think they know everything, they're, they're, they're going to want to have that, I'm, I'll, I'll do it with him. Now, they may say, I'm, I want to do it with somebody who's already done it before. But they may say, I'm going to take this guy and make him a star. So there's different ways for them. To, and, of course, we're trying to figure out what Zach Robinson thinks. We don't, ain't got no clue what Zach Robinson thinks. We have no idea. You know, he's the quarterback coach of the Rams, and now he's the OC. So it's a, it's a big step up for him, too, and a big decision. He's going to have a hand in that decision, I'm sure. I'm sure, especially using the collaborative approach that the Falcons love to use, well, they're going to talk about it with the offensive coordinator who's going to be working with the quarterback on a regular basis, and that's Zach Robinson. Danny and Savannah, hello. Hello, Bill. How you doing today, man? Good. I'd like to make two points today, Bill, if you'll give me just a minute. Okay. After we hung up yesterday, you made a good point. Uh, about time. About, yeah, you do sometimes, Bill. I mean, <laughs> you do. Um about Rich McKay, you know, the uh, football operations and all, you know, mm. in Atlanta, he's no, he's not a part of it, you know, supposedly. Huh. But he's still on this committee, Bill, and mm-hmm. you know about every committee I've ever seen has a head person. Like, there's a person that really, you know, if the committee's stuck on something or just that makes a decision. He's How it, though. That? He's the chairman of the competition committee, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the chairman. Well, there you go. Yeah. His so, so, how, so, you're, so, in other words, you're telling me, Arthur Blank's telling me 
the chairman of the NFL competition committee is not going to have anything to do with his football team anymore? Come on. Give me a break. Yeah, man. I, his name ought to be Rich Collaboration McKay. No, I mean, no. I, I'm not, I mean, why? I didn't know he was the chairman. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the chairman. I'll I'll look it up here during the break, but I'm I'm pretty sure he is the chairman of the competition committee. And because I, I, you know, he he's on the pregame show all the time, and I'm pretty sure they've said he's the chairman. Let me let me let me look Google this real quick and see um, competition committee and see. But I'm sure he is. But yeah, I mean that that in itself is. Is BS, right? I mean, there's no way. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, Pete Rosell started the committee. Um, well, I mean, it, that, see, it doesn't mention him, but there's a picture of him right next to the damn article here about the competition committee, which, I mean, that's a major committee. That's, I mean, that's that's a big, big deal. There's no question about it. Um, but I don't, I don't see anything where it lists the members, but I mean, Rich McKay's picture is right here on this article. This is an NFL, this is an operations. Yeah, here it is. Yep. He's the chairman of the competition committee along with, uh, Stephen Jones, who's Jerry's son, Frank Reich, former head coach of the Panthers, Ron Rivera, former head coach of the commanders, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, Mike Vrabel of the Titans. I thought that maybe at one point uh, Belichick was on there, but yeah, McKay's the chairman. I tell you all you need to know, right? Beautiful. Hey, one more thing, Bill, about Belichick. You know, uh, a lot of you callers, I, I mean, I don't hear them all, but a lot of them, you know, call in and say, Bill Belichick wanted too much. I don't believe that, Bill. I think Bill Belichick went in there wanting to coach the Falcons without any interference. I don't think he wanted to help Fontenot do his job. I think he wanted to coach and be left alone. And you know what? He said there's going to be some meddling involved even with that. And that second interview, Bill, I think he wanted to go to that second interview, obviously, just to tell them two clowns, hey, man, screw y'all to the wall. May have. I'd love to know, Danny. I would love to know the answer to those questions. I mean, I, I really would. And I don't think we'll ever know. You know, Arthur probably won't answer any questions. I know there was talk of him having a press conference tomorrow or Friday. I don't think everybody answers about Belichick. I don't think he'll answer anything. He'll say, well, this is about Raheem. And I understand that and appreciate that. But I I, I think that, especially with what Boomer Esiason said and just the knowledge of, well, Belichick ain't putting up with that crap. But So could I see, could we all see Belichick saying, you know, thanks but no thanks? Yeah, I think so. But if that's the case, why wasn't, Why was there a second interview? That's what I don't understand. That kind of still confuses me. Danny, thank you very much. 478-646-ESPN is our number. We'd love to hear from you. We've got to take a break. We're back with more sports talk on this Wednesday right here on the Bill Shanks Show.